What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Burnout Brighter podcast. This is episode 77. My name is Matt, and I'll be your host for this evening's events. As always, I am joined by my wonderful co-host, Darren. Hello. This week, we are super stoked to have a important conversation about representation in gaming and how a game comes to life. We are joined by two wonderful people from Crispy Creative. We have Kylan and Rowan joining us. Thank you both so much for coming on the show. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Thank you for having us on. What a, what a great intro. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, you are great guests. You deserve a great intro. <laughs> yeah, we uh, do our best. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, yeah, um, I'm the uh, I'm the creative director and founder at Crispy Creative. And then um, uh, we have Ro here, who is our narrative lead on our project. Kaya, yeah, thank you again so much for having us. It is an absolute pleasure. We're going to be talking all about Crispy Creative, the game that they are currently working on, which is called A Long Journey to an Uncertain End, the Kickstarter they have going on, and so much more. But as we always do, we are going to start this episode with a round of random questions. Every time we have new guests on, we like to ask our guests some random questions to try to you know, break the ice a little bit and get to know them. And as always, we will ask our guests to ask us questions in return unprompted and without giving them much time to do it but that's all part of the game so uh kylan i'm gonna start with you this week and i uh i i never prepare for these because i like to think of them on the spot and usually (laughs) i talk a little too long as i try and think of here okay i got it so (laughs) okay uh kylan you guys, as Crispy Creative, started as a UX and UI company, right? Working on different kind of games and stuff and building out the UX and the UI. So what I want to know is if, let's say, a random property comes to you and they say, we are turning this show or anime or movie into a game and we want you to design the UI for it, which property would kind of be like the dream property for you to work on? Oh man. Uh, so, so I, I guess IP then intellectual property. Yes. Um, oh, what is, um, what an ideal one be? Um, ah, that's a really great question. I should have a better answer. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I would say like, um, man, so something that hasn't, I don't know, like something that doesn't have a strong UI presence to begin with. So like as much as I love star Wars, and, right. Well, if somebody came to us and was like, here, make a Star Wars game, of course, I'd be like, done, you know, like, yeah, no problem. But like, like, for an ideal thing, just because so much has been created there, there wouldn't, there wouldn't be a lot of room to make something new, we would really have to stay mm-hmm. within strict guidelines. Um, man, I don't know. I, I think something like, I think I would love something like really obscure or something. Um, I don't know, like a, like a, like some sort of Zen, um, like Marie Kondo or something. It'd be like, Hey, nice. make, make a game about Marie Kondo. And at first I'd be like, what the hell? Can I, yeah. But like, <laughs> that's, that'd be such a weird, crazy thing. And I think you could have a lot, a lot of fun, um, creating something, uh, in a unique way for that. Yeah. I think, I think that would be really cool. Cause maybe at the beginning of the game, you can have a very cluttered UI, right. And the first task can be to help clean up the UI. Um, I'm already sold. Like I'm, I'm, I'm now I'm, 
before I was like, let me just throw out something. And now the more that I think about it, like, <laughs> you know what? No, legit. Yeah, no, I feel like most, most of the client work that we do is arguing against putting in UI in different places. So yeah, no, I'm done. Totally. So, there you go. It's Marie Kondo sounds like the perfect marriage right there, right there. Okay. Uh, I'm going to throw over to Darren to ask Rowan a random question. Darren, can you please ask our guest a question that you perfect. don't think of until right now? Well, see, I don't have to scramble for time because I had all that time to think of something. So I got it already. <laughs> Rowan. Uh, a long journey clearly has, I think, its influences, its television influences on its sleeve. But I'm curious to know for you personally, if you were trapped on a desert island and you could only watch one TV show for the rest of your life, what TV show would it be? Okay, that is a great question. One TV show for the rest of my life. The first thing that popped into my head, I feel like, should be the answer that I give, which is Parks and Rec, because I feel like yes! it holds up really well. So uh, good. Yeah. yeah, and there's a lot of it, too, right? Like, I wouldn't just be watching a, a single season. Um, God, it, I feel like I answered that too quickly, actually. No. <laughs> I didn't mind this entire time. Unfortunately, I guess Parks and Rec is just, forget opinions. That's the definitive only answer. Parks and Rec is the only answer for this question. I should have asked something more open-ended, clearly. <laughs> but my question is, is do you think the Brandanowitz episodes would have as much replayability as the later ones? Like, we have to be honest about that, I think. That is that is a good question. Uh, again, I feel like I'm maybe a little too quick on the draw, but no. <laughs> <laughs> Brandana quits right out of those episodes. Uh, no, there was lots of love in those ones as well, but you know, there's there's a lot more later. Uh, all right, well, now we're going to throw it to our guests. Um, Kylan, I'm going to ask you to ask myself a question this time, and anything goes, whatever you want to ask. Like I said, we've had questions anywhere along the lines of what video game world you'd want to live in, to how do you clean your shoes, so anything goes. Uh, what is a question that you'd like to ask me? All right, I was actually thinking about this earlier. Um, so, so something that I'm, so I'm not a competitive person in general, but something that I okay. am quite competitive with is, um, uh, is dinner parties. Um, okay. Oh. So I'm, I'm curious, what has been the best dining experience you've had? Not necessarily the best meal, but the best dining experience you've had. Ooh, that's a great question. Uh, the first, first one that kind of jumps into my mind just because of how much of an experience it was. I, I can't remember the name of the restaurant now, but I went to a restaurant in Toronto. That was one of those experiences where uh, everything was blacked out and you could not see anything the entire time. Uh, oh, we, went for, yeah. we went for a friend of mine's birthday and um, she had really, really wanted to go. So we went to check it out. And I, you know, I guess the whole idea of that experience is that you know, because you can't see the food is supposed to taste better or something along those lines. But I couldn't get over just, you know, even just looking for my fork or knife or just trying to figure out what it was that I was eating. I used to be a very, very picky eater. Um, not so much anymore, but that that whole experience was just so unique. Um, I, I couldn't even remember what we ate, but I'll never forget that kind of thing of like, 
I don't know what's going on. I don't know where the waiters are coming from. I'm not sure where, you know, what I'm about to eat, but it was a really unique experience. And I, I highly recommend anybody check that out, uh, you know, once things start to open up again. But yeah, that's a great question. Because uh, <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever really thought about it that much, but I think that's the first one that jumps into my mind. Oh man, I totally want to do a dark dining party now uh, and just a dinner party and just like see... Yeah. Oh my gosh. Now my mind is racing. I'm like, oh, oh I want the quarantine <laughs> to be over. That's <laughs> so I can do this. Uh, oh my gosh. I know. Hopefully sooner rather than later. Yeah. The um, best part is you, yeah, can just, you. you can just lie to your guests and tell them that they're eating one thing, but it could be something else, you know? That has strong, like, oh, sorry. Go ahead. There you go, Ro. I was just thinking that's that has like strong Halloween stick your hand in the bowl and tell them yeah. that's one thing and something <laughs> totally different vibes. Exactly. Exactly. Be like, you know what? I, I told you it's spaghetti. It's actually all just cotton candy. Surprise. Uh, all right. Well, thank you so much for your uh, question, Kylan. Uh, Rowan, can I please ask you to ask Darren a random question? Yes, absolutely. So I don't think that we deal quite so much with this stuff in a long journey to an uncertain end, but I am very curious that if you were the captain of a spaceship, let's say it's a pirate captain. What okay. would the name of your ship be? Oh my god! Oh wow! Um, I feel like this is a loaded question um, because I am not a creative person when it comes to naming things. I'm very tempted to call it like the SS ship, uh, or like name. <laughs> I'll call it the SS ship, and when people ask me what do the SS stands for. It stands for S S ship. I thought you were going to say ship ship ship. I thought you were going to say ship 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 too. Yeah. (laughs) I I want, I want a fractal name. I want a name that as, as deep as you can go, you still keep getting the name. So the first S is for SS. And then the second S is for ship. So it's SS ship. And then it's SS ship. And then if you go a little bit deeper, it's just ship after that. Actually. Yeah. It just stops at three levels. (laughs) I'll just go there. <laughs> so ship, 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 and then subscript, ship, ship, ship. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and basically, by the time people have finished reading the name and understanding it, I've already stolen their goods. That's, you got me there. That's a good one. <laughs> that's, that's a great way to pull that around. And at this moment, I'm feeling very thankful that you did not name the podcast. Um, and that was more of a collaborative experience. But welcome to the pp podcast (laughs) welcome to the podcast podcast pod pod podcast and that's gonna be our new name going forward (laughs) all right that was a wonderful round of random questions now let's jump into what have we been playing lately rowan i'm gonna ask you first what have you been playing lately what have you been up to what games are important to you what have you been doing i will start with what games i've been playing recently uh yeah kind of like at the end of last year and into the beginning of this year i was playing a lot of hades uh nice not not well mind you just playing (laughs) trying my best um but actually what i've been playing a lot of just sort of continuously over the last year is deep rock galactic which is again kind of thematically sci-fi which is nice but if you've never played it i definitely recommend checking it out it's kind of like left for dead meets minecraft uh you play as like i've never heard of this before really oh my gosh and it has some infinitely memeable lines so it's really worthwhile um great to play with friends 
They just released a ton of new content. It's it's a lot of fun. I actually think I have more hours in this game now than I ever put into the original Left 4 Dead games, which is to say I'm about wow. 400 hours in. That's And impressive. it's on PC? Yeah. I've never actually heard of this either. Oh my gosh. Yes, please check it out. Come come play with me. <laughs> I, I've yeah, already got this... this trailer on my, my computer screen and I'm looking at it and it looks really cool. It's It's a lot of fun like different classes of characters to play a lot of different kind of like space creatures to fight um yeah and as i said they just put out like a new expansion so it's very very cool definitely recommend awesome. it and i'm a big fan of nice. left for dead so you you sold me excellent yeah and you'll definitely <laughs> pick up on a lot of those same kind of like uh audio features you know like you can hear something in the background that you know you need to get ready for because it's a specific type of special creature so yeah yeah nothing will uh rep- nothing will replicate the sheer terror of hearing a tank running at you while you're right close oh to the God. safe room right like the stinger that plays right before it so you, you finally hear it and you're like oh well time to rush in there <laughs> instant anxiety um rowan i'm going to ask you one more question before we go over to kylan and uh so our podcast we always like to talk about mental health and things that are important to us and one of the segments that we like to do with new guests especially is called games that matter um, and so I'd like to ask you about a game that matters to you. It can be a game that kind of helped you get through a rough experience or a game that has stayed with you and kind of, um, you know, left an impact. So I want to ask you about a game that matters to you. That's a great question. Um, I think I was having a pretty difficult time just like getting back into games after a long time of being in games. I don't know if that makes sense, right? Like occasionally as a game dev, you just really get burnt out and you don't play very much, honestly. Um, And I think one of the things that kind of like broke me out of that and really reignited my love for narrative was uh, What Remains of Edith Finch. Um, Oh yeah, fantastic game. Yeah, I picked it up for the Switch and just there's so much about it that is so well done. I mean... In terms of narrative design, it's a class act. So I think what what really helped me and what was so profound about it was kind of like going through this very intimate experience. It doesn't have the kind of broad sweeping RPG feel of something maybe like Skyrim or Dragon Age, but it it's so personal. You're you're reading someone's journal and like living through these moments that they've lived through. And yeah, it just, it really stuck with me. It mattered a lot at the time and it still kind of stands out in my mind as just like an excellent example of narrative design. That game is incredibly beautiful. So I, I completely understand where you're coming from. Thank you for, thank you for your answer. Absolutely. Uh, Thanks for asking. Kylan, let's throw over to you next. Uh, what have you been playing lately? Oh man. Um, I mean, it. I think I'm, I might be more in the, in, in, Rowan's experience, not not so much in the burnt out side of things, but I, I haven't had a ton of time to to play recently. Just uh, between <laughs> between developing and the Kickstarter, um, I know the uh, uh, well. Actually, with with the Steam Festival that just happened, um, there were a, a ton of really awesome demos that people were putting right, yeah, out. Yeah. Um, and uh, one demo that I played uh, is for this game called Potion Craft. Um, okay, and it is like years ago. Um, there's a there's a game dev subreddit, and I had seen this prototype on there of this sort of like alchemy simulator where um, you would pick uh, uh, pick different ingredients from a garden, and then like 
mash them up and and throw them in a pot and make different potions. Um, and it was really simple. And I, I remember seeing like seeing the prototype. And I was like, huh, neat mechanic. And then you know like toss it into the into the um, pile of like that's a cool mechanic. Maybe one day I'll you know try to put it into a game that I make. Um, but these people apparently like they stuck with it, which is awesome. And now they have this really, really cool looking game called Potion Craft. Uh, that's where you, it's it's all crafting. You're, they have this sort of exploratory way with the ingredients where you make these different potions with different, um, different impacts. Uh, and they have a really cool demo. Um, so yeah, so that, that was something recently that I played. Um, before then, that's- kind of like, oh, sorry. No, that, that sounds really cool. I don't think I've ever really heard of a game that's entirely based around crafting and not like on that much of a singular level, right? Where it's just crafting potions. That actually sounds really interesting. Kylan, have you ever played a or heard of a board game called Alchemist? I have not. Um, but that totally sounds like something I'd be into. Yeah, there, there. Uh, what you just described sounds exactly like um, the board game Alchemist, which is a board game that is all about finding lists of ingredients and mixing them together to make different kinds of uh, potions and abilities. And you have to kind of deduce through experimentation uh, the components of other potions by like relating their effects. It's really complicated, but it's actually really fun once you you start to figure it out. So I, I recommend checking that one out if you're into board games. Absolutely. I, I would love to try it out. That sounds fantastic. I know we... Um... Do you, do you know how many players it takes? Uh, I think it's up to four. It's been a while since I played it. I know. We've been trying to find uh, uh, some games that are pretty solid um, for two players, just, just with my husband and I with the quarantine. Um, mm-hmm. so he's not a big digital games uh, person, but for uh, for physical games, like he can... Uh, feels more comfortable there so um yeah i just checked it's two to four players and from my experience it's probably much better with two than it is with four just because of how long it can take there you go all right well cool i was gonna say that sounds like it could be a solid like two-player game um yeah no i um uh it sounds really cool for for potion craft uh definitely check it out if nothing else for the art style it's like a really really beautiful that kind of like wood um uh wood print um, visual art style. It's got a really neat, inter- neat interactions um, with it as well. It lo- yeah, it looks beautiful. Like a very kind of like hand drawn, old school map style almost. Like it looks like I'm looking at something that was designed a couple hundred years ago. Oh, totally. Yeah, and again, like it, it does some really interesting things with the with the interactions with the interface that you're that's probably it that like the more that i talk about it i'm like i just like the ui like that's why <laughs> I, 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 but no the mechanics are really cool um and yeah it's just so it's just so different i love i love games that really explore um things that are that push the medium forward um and in terms of interactivity and, and subject matter for sure uh, and it looks like Potion Craft still does that. I mean, it, it looks really interesting. So if anybody's curious, please go check that out. Um, and Kylan, I wanted to ask you about a game that matters to you. Oh, yes. Um, so this one I did have, I, well, I guess it's more recent. Um, but there's a there's a game called uh, Wander Song. Um, yes. Oh, yes. 
Okay, good. Y'all have heard of it because I, I had my whole pitch ready of like, this is why everybody should play it. Um, it's uh, not just, I mean, it's it's um, uh, it's a really beautiful game. And the, the visuals, again, are um, so fairly unique. Like they are, I hate to say it's, it's not, I hate to say simple because I think that that um, uh, sort of undercuts the, the visual decisions that they made. Um, but very, very just clean um, visuals to it. But the theme—it's kind of, it's kind of, of like everything's made out of like, like construction paper. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That. Um, but but even like even with that visual style, they do they do some really really cool things of like the different dances that the bard can do are actually like quite well done. Um, so it's. Yeah, it's definitely like a stylistic choice that they made, which I think is it's just a really, really solid, um, uh, uh, solid choice there. But um, no, the, I mean, the reason why the game was so moving to me, um, so important to me was the it it, it takes a look at, um, you know, it, well, it's in this medieval fantasy world and the player is a bard. Uh, and the only sort of power that the bard has is to be able to sing. Um, and the world is falling apart. There's, uh, you know, there are still people with swords. There's still weapons. There's still monsters um, that can do all these really terrible things. Um, and as the player, you kind of have to try and fix the world doing the only thing you can, which is singing. Um, and just as you go through, like using this, this one talent, this sort of one bit of creativity that you can do, um, and this sort of uh, almost unending fountain of optimism and hope, um, you kind of go through and and uh, make change, ch- make changes in the world. Um, and it's just, I don't know, it is really, really beautiful message, a really fantastic um, story as well, and and just something like. Uh, there are a few games that, that make me cry. Um, this was definitely one of them, especially as you get towards the end. I, I like I definitely had a good good cry just because it, it a good happy cry. Just I think yeah, because it's so optimistic. You know, uh, there there have been some dark times over the last several years, and this one was just very much a tonic to to help get through some of those dark times. So it means a lot to me. And the character is non-binary. Like representation, you know, matters there so mm-hmm. the like it just it does a lot of really really cool awesome stuff um so yeah everybody should you, go play wonder song you have completely sold me on it because i've downloaded it on my xbox and i have it sitting there because it's on game pass and it's just something that like i've never just hit the play button there's always been something else so you've just completely sold me on it and i'm going to be checking it out immediately because it sounds incredible yay i mean it's definitely like if you've had a hard day uh, you should play this because it just it it's a light. It lifts you up. It's it's a really really nice way to end your day. Um, so yeah, it sounds like it. That sounds really nice. Uh, Darren, what about you? What have you been playing lately? Well, um, I in in the podcast uh, recently, uh, I have been talking nonstop about Final Fantasy fourteen uh, because the Final Fantasy fourteen online has consumed my life for a very long time and by very long time i mean the past 
seven months, I put uh, now 600 hours into the game. Oh, wow. Uh, and uh, I finally got on the new, the new expansion. And um, I, the new expansion, uh, the current one, Shadowbringers, is just such a, a, a step in quality above everything else that's come before it that I am like falling in love with the game all over again. Um, and it's absolutely a testament to how well designed an MMO it is that I still want to play it 500, 600 hours later. Um, That's but awesome. Yeah. Have either of you played uh, Final Fantasy XIV before? I have not, but my partner has. And I was actually at Square for a little while, kind of like in their American office while the game was live. So I got to kind of like interact with it in that regard, but I didn't end up putting much time into it. MMOs are like a shaky thing after I kind of spent some of my life in World of Warcraft. So right yeah then I, I i don't have to tell you how addicting that they can be um yes. <laughs> but yeah it, it's fantastic and then um i'll make one quick mention also since we're going to be talking about kickstarters uh a year and a half ago i kickstarted um the bloodborne board game and because bloodborne is one of my favorite video games of all time and literally one hour before this podcast started i received my board game uh, and so as soon as this is done i am going to be spending the next three hours taking cardboard apart and playing with miniatures <laughs> i'm very oh, excited for that such a satisfying feeling too like when you first get your game you're like unwrapping the shrink wrap and then you pull it open you like start punching out all the tokens and stuff like that yeah I opened up the first box and got that new board game smell. And I was just like, this has to wait. I'm sorry. <laughs> I waited a year and a half. I'll have to wait a little longer. That's great. Well, congratulations also. That sounds amazing. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. The picture that you sent me, very it's accomplished. like five boxes. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. And uh, I think altogether, it was like a almost a 10-pound box. Like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's like I have like 150 oh minutes. Oh, um that is it's a, a big lot boy yeah so matt what have you been up to uh i have been sinking more and more time into judgment i'm actually in the finale chapter now uh after spending a bit of time away from that game it's so good man like that yakuza studio just doesn't miss the story is so great and it's surprising uh the kind of direction that they're taking it in i wasn't really expecting it so i am i'm still playing that and last night, I was incredibly excited to fire up Persona 5 Strikers. Uh, I oh, paid for yeah. that like, digital deluxe edition, so I started being I was able to play it for a, uh, a couple days early. And I just love being back in that world with those characters. Like, it's just such like a homecoming feeling. Mm-hmm. I spent probably about like an hour and a half, almost two hours with it. And it really does feel like persona which was my biggest worry going into it i'm not generally a fan of kind of those musou type games but it feels like persona they put so much time into the cutscenes and into the character interactions the voice acting sounds fantastic as always and uh even the action segments i've been enjoying figuring out the combat because it's not usually my thing but uh it's really great so far like i'm i'm pleasantly surprised and after seeing all the great reviews like i'm i'm feeling more and more excited about it the the kind of more time i spend with it and it's just 
Persona is one of my favorite game series of all time and being able to be back in five with those characters in, in, in that world, like the first time you kind of boot up back in like your old neighborhood and I'm just like, oh, look, is this still here? Oh, is this still here? Like the level of love and care that they put into it is immediately noticeable. So I'm I'm super excited to keep going with Strikers. Yeah, I plan uh, on picking up eventually as well. And I'm interested to see uh, where the story goes since it's supposed to be a direct sequel. Yeah, with Royal being kind of in the middle now they kind of, they don't really address royal at all obviously um but yeah it, it is a direct sequel to base persona 5 which i mean is fantastic so i'm i'm super super excited to keep going with it i just love the series so much that's awesome how did you feel when you saw that like joker was coming to super smash brothers oh my <laughs> god i bought him immediately like i just never really expected persona to make its way over to smash uh same so like when yeah. that's when that when that trailer started up, I was like, "Are they doing Persona on Switch? Like, what is this? Is this a new expansion? Is this just an intro?" And then with that, when that Smash logo came up, I lost my mind. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, are you are either of you big Persona fans? So have either of you played any of the games? Um, I I have not, but I I have again. I've been told. Um, I hate to sound like a broken record. I, <laughs> uh, most people tell me about cool UI, um, so that I, I've been told that I should play it just for the the UI alone and the design and how they those sort of interactions there. Yeah, yeah I don't know if I've ever had so much fun just like navigating menus. It's it's true. The hype is real. And that's that gets me excited when I hear stuff like that. I'm like, really? Oh man, <laughs> I, I need to check this out. Yeah, and after. Persona 5, like the, the UI has had a pretty, you know, high bar to match just because of how stylistic and how much it flowed through each menu. And I have to say that this menu section on this one, they've they've kept it up. It, it looks fantastic. Um, Rowan, what about you? Do you have much experience with Persona? I don't, actually. I feel quite bad about that. I similarly have been told that I should really check the games out. I just haven't had the time yet. Oh, I completely understand. And they're long games. They are very, very long games. So it's, it's a big commitment. But if you guys ever find the time, please check them out. I love those games so much. Uh, all right, Matt, let's. Matt. Yeah, cool. What? Matt, Matt, mm. Matt. Mm -hmm. What? There's something else that we played. There's we something played. else that we played? There is. We both played the demo for a little game yeah. called A Long Journey to an Uncertain End. Yes, we did. And that's actually, Darren, where I was about to go. So thank you for leading me there. Yes, yeah, so we have both played the demo for A Long Journey to an Uncertain End. And what I want, where I want to start talking about this game is I want to know a little bit more about the both of you and about Crispy Creative and how all of this started and what led you kind of to, to this game as an idea. So, Kyle, let's start with you because I know, uh, you know, you are the the CEO, the mastermind behind Crispy Creative. So can you tell me a little bit about how Crispy started and how you kind of, you know, met Rowan and how all this kind of began? Absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm so glad that y'all were able to play the demo. Um, so uh, so I've been in the games industry for, um, for a while, uh, over, I think over 13, 13 maybe 14 years. Um, and uh, worked on everything from small studios to big AAA studios to big publishers, um, and uh, uh, had over over that time um, I actually met 
row. Uh, we both of us worked at uh, at Obsidian um, Entertainment together. Um, nice on a on a project that uh, I like to say is probably the polar opposite of what Long Journey is. Um, so is say uh, like modern military tank fighting game. Um, and uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean. It was cool. It was, it was really big, um, uh, big budget title, anyways. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, uh, that's when I when I, where I first met them, um, and then uh, after after that game, I um, I worked on uh, uh, the game Outer Worlds, um, and uh, another sci-fi game. And then from there, I um, mm-hmm. decided to go uh, kind of full-time indie. Um, I had been critical of leadership at, at previous jobs, um, so that's not sing- singling out Obsidian. Is I've worked at Variety of Studios, but um, I've right. been critical of the way that other studios had sort of studio culture and and sort of the values and and not really valuing um, uh, people, I guess, like the human experience, um, valuing um, not only mental well being but but uh, physical well being. Sorry, switch that. Not only physical well-being, but mental well-being. <laughs> um, and starting my own studio was a bit of a, uh, a you know, put up or shut up moment of like, okay, well, what would an indie studio look like where um, we we do value well-being, not only for our developers but for our players as well. Um, so uh, uh, the first sort of year of Crispy Creative was. Um, mainly contract work, just kind of figuring out, well, can we even keep the lights on uh, for right, right. doing UX UI stuff? And then um, after that first year, uh, well, over that first year, we prototyped a variety of um, mechanics, did some market research, and that kind of led us to a game um, that is uh, a long journey to an uncertain end. So looking at a game, super narrative focused, um, a game that was about um, sort of overcoming um uh overcoming trauma overcoming um a uh, uh getting out of bad relationships but also learning to um learning to rely on others and sort of uncovering their own journeys seeing the own seeing the journeys that other others are going on just like you mm-hmm. um and uh yeah there's um it's it's there's a ton of stuff about it. It's to make sure that it's accessible for everyone. It's uh, uh, not only is it turn-based, so you can pick it up, put it down at any point in time. Um, we really focused on inclusivity in terms of like letting people um, create their own body types, choose their own pronouns. We actually allow neo pronouns, which you can put in any sort of custom pronouns into it, uh, and creating this experience that. Um, it's meant to be accessible. There's a lot of queer themes in the game, um, hmm. but is it's meant to be portrayed in an accessible way that even if you're not part of the queer community, can still sort of relate to it. Um, that's why the the player is this sentient AI in a <laughs> you know in, in a fairly hostile environment um, or universe, which uh, uh, you know you you are the other um, regardless of what you choose just by virtue of being a sentient AI, you are the, the other, the feared other in this universe. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I could, I could probably talk to <laughs> yeah. about it, but, but yeah, that's, that's actually the gist. 
that's actually a follow-up question that I wanted to ask um, uh, since you brought it up. Um, it was first of all, I want to say, yeah, I was really impressed with the the character creation uh, system. I've I personally have not seen a game uh, that lets you choose your own pronouns to the extent that you can customize them. So I was really impressed by that. Um, and the choice, and I guess this is a question for Rowan as the narrative lead. Um, the choice to make the player play the ship itself is such a interesting choice. I don't know if I've seen that before either. So kind of where did that choice come from to make the the ship its own character? Uh, that's actually a little bit more of a Kylan question. I came aboard to the project when he had sort of fetched me on the conceits, but uh, just as sort of like a short answer, I think it's it's something that we bear in mind a lot when we're kind of like working on the story since mm -hmm. as a ship you obviously have certain restrictions that even though your kind of avatar is represented in a space where it looks like a person talking to another person we have to bear that in mind you know so when you come aboard to a planet for the first time like you you kind of get a really cerebral experience i think sometimes where um actually sherry the the writer who's been working on the project um she's done a really great job of kind of like saying hey as the ship you feel and see these things and mm -hmm. it's it's very grounding i think in the sense that you are reminded like hey even though you see yourself as an avatar sometimes you're still this ship um but i will defer kind of to kylan to to answer the first part of that question which was again <laughs> How did how did that first come about? For sure, um, and the I mean, initially we did we did have the player um, as a as a person as as a, a, a an organic person, um, but then uh, the more that we kind of looked at it, it um, we had the idea of like you were on the run from your ex, um, right? Then it it sort of morphed into like okay, well everybody's been in a bad relationship. What would what if what if you are the ship? What if you are the spaceship and you are on the run for your ex? Well, that sounds a lot more interesting. Um, so just in terms of like pitching it, that perks people's ears up. But also I think making the player the ship, it does, uh, it, it forces you to rely on your crew more. Um, there's this interesting balance, this interesting relationship where uh, you can, you know, you can pick everybody up and travel between the stars, travel to different planets um, with your crew, but then you are also reliant on them to keep yourself repaired and refueled. And uh, that, that relationship is something that I think we wanted to explore a lot more of, uh, you know, you, you want to treat your crew well um, because they, if you don't, <laughs> they can, they can, you know, bounce, they can say like, you know what, forget this. Um, so, uh, that I don't know. It, it was an interesting relationship that we that we wanted to explore, um, and again, to kind of to force the player to um, I'd say force the player to allow the player to uh, uh, to to be reliant on their crew to be to see what are their crew going through. How can you empower them? How can you help them be successful so you can be successful? Um, I that, think right. Anyway. I think that's something that really jumped out at me um, playing the demo because I think in a, in a lot of 
these types of games where you are this you know this crew of people regardless of of setting there's there's always almost like a defined leader and everybody is just kind of going along with them and i think that's something that really jumped out at me with uh, a long journey was right from the you know in the first couple minutes of the game you know corgi tells you you should check in on them you should make sure that they're okay you should learn about them right and as you kind of land on these planets it, it really does feel like you're working together right like you like you said you're relying on them to get the missions done in a way that i feel like it doesn't just feel like hey you go do this it's kind of like all right i know that this person is best suited for this and i i really believe in them to be able to get this job done rather than it just being a point and click hey go do this uh so i think i think that choice sets things up in a way that really makes you feel as a team rather than it just being you know this kind of leader doling out missions it kind of feels like this much more symbiotic relationship which i think is really interesting and are there's oh, sorry please oh no go no go ahead kyle oh i was gonna say there's um i think within that i mean there's a bit of a vulnerability there of uh you know landing on a planet um as cool as it looks to you and i mean as as uh as much as the crew kind of wants to get out and stretch their legs um for the player you're actually really vulnerable on on planets on worlds because that's uh in in the universe we've created um sentient ai are are outlawed they're banned um so the more that you are around organic people the more um the chances of you being discovered and and uh and captured um whereas out in space that's kind of where you're really free and you can fly and go wherever you want to um so that that sort of vulnerability and then within that vulnerability that trust with your crew that you know you're sending them out and hopefully they're not going to give you away you know or give you up um as while they're out on jobs uh yeah so you need you, you need to rely on each other if it really and i think that feeling really comes across um Rowan, let's let's circle back to kind of the the origins of, of Crispy here for a second, because I want to know uh, when did you kind of come on board to the to the you know to the team? Because I kind of picture you know sitting in a in a, in a dark bar, and Kylan kind of comes up and he's like, you know, I'm I'm building a team, and uh, I, I wanted to know kind of your experience with joining the team and what about a long journey uh, stood out to you so much. Uh, well, you're not wrong. It was uh, it was a bar, wasn't it, Kylan? I'm pretty sure it was. <laughs> I think so. It was uh, a hive of scum and villainy. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kylan had already established this really cool, I, I want to say kind of like an elevator pitch, actually, which was super compelling. And the way that he kind of like pitched the game to me and what the narrative needed, uh, I want to say from the initial point that he had created it, I was like, oh my God, yes. Like, I want to work on that game. I don't just want to work on that game. Like, I want to play that game. And I think that was kind of like what first enticed me. And mm -hmm. also knowing that it was going to be so purposefully inclusive and diverse and kind of intersectional, I think that that really appealed to me, you know, not only at the time, but it still persists to this day. Like, I'm interested in that space. I'm interested in DNI and seeing that kind of like coming to the fore through this game um, was super important. So, yeah, I hope that answers your question. It does. It totally does. And I'm I'm glad I was right up at the bar. That's a little bit funny. 
Um, <laughs> what so I want what I wanted to kind of ask both of you because I I think that you know the the diversity aspect is something that's so compelling about this game and it's something that is made clear uh, you know right on the the splash page of the of the Kickstarter uh, and what I wanted to ask both of you um, Rowan let's let's start with you uh, what do you think diversity like what does diversity mean to you and why do you think it's so important for that kind of representation to be in gaming? It's a great question. Actually, I I just totally lost track of which Twitter user it was, but um, they had just recently said diversity doesn't just mean one of each. And I thought that that was such a, a profound statement to make because I think that a lot of times games that attempt to include people who have not been seen in a gaming space before think like there's a certain amount of tokenism that goes with it Mm -hmm. um and so to have this incredibly diverse cast of crew and characters which again is that's all kylan like he had this stuff established before we ever talked about the game um but i think what makes that so incredibly important is that like this is the story that people have wanted to see forever you know we i just don't think that there's been an opportunity to make it just yet. Um, but this audience has persisted forever. Right? Like people have always wanted to see themselves in games. And now with games like a long journey, people are going to see that actualized in a way that they never have before. And that to me, I think is sort of like the driving motivation behind being as inclusive as we are. I think too, what's really important about this space and kind of functioning within it is telling it an authentic story because mm-hmm. it's very easy to tell kind of like, I, I don't know if this is a great distinction, but maybe a representative story based on kind of our perceptions of what various levels of intersectionality look like. But if we want to be authentic, if we're going to the source. We're like finding the people whose story hasn't been heard before and asking them like, does this seem right to you? Does this seem like it's encompassing your lived experience as opposed to just kind of like, drawing from resources otherwise and then making an assumption based on what we've learned so um yeah i i think it's just very inherent to the project that we want to be able to kind of further this space in in games and i'm really happy that you actually used the word intersectionality and we're talking about tokenism because i think that is a problem with a lot of games today uh and not just games most you know media and pop culture it seems that like token representation is enough but people are not token there are not there's not one of every group of people people are naturally intersectional and i think that really comes across in a long journey it feels very real uh it feels like how you know people really are um and so thank you so much for deciding to put that in game yeah, again, I think a lot of that is owed to Kylan. And uh, Kylan, I don't know if you want to talk at all about kind of like the matrix that you established for building these characters, but I feel like that is just, it sets such a great framework for working in this space that I've I've really felt like I could adhere to that and create characters much more readily within the universe. Uh, makes me so happy to hear. <laughs> um, I mean, we, we've talked about it before, but I um, for... Uh, I mean, at least for, for the matrix that um, Ro was alluding to a bit. Um, so, so with um, with a long journey, we have a uh, we, we have a diversity matrix um, that all uh, all of our our characters um, 
have to adhere to. Um, and that it was it was created in reaction to um, again what what I'd kind of seen at past studios uh, in the past. If we wanted to create a studio, if we wanted to create a character, and um, if it was sort of any anything, you know, if it was uh, if the character was part of the LGBTQ family, um, if they were non-binary or trans in any way, if they were uh, non-monogamous, if they were uh, disabled, um, there was always the question of like, well, well, why, why, why do we, why do we, why does the character have to be that? We had to sort of give a reason and prove why that type of character, that type of person deserved to exist in this universe. Um, and I never got the, I never got that question when the character was cisgendered, male, able-bodied, mm-hmm. um, you know, heterosexual, like that was right. always sort of accepted as, well, yeah, that's the standard. Prove to me why anybody else should exist <laughs> in this universe, um, <laughs> which, you know, which is uh, just a bit frustrating. Um, and with Long Journey, we flipped that. So we have a diversity matrix where um, no character, uh, or well, every character has to be something. So um, we don't have any characters that are uh, both um, heterosexual and cisgendered and able-bodied and monogamous. Everybody has to be something. Right. Um, so, you know, we have, uh, that's how you get a, uh, uh, a big old drag queen uh, who has the muscle <laughs> on, your, on your ship and, uh, you know, we have a, uh, a lesbian hacker engineer. Um, we have a non-binary pilot. Uh, we have a, a disabled trans pickpocket. Uh, you know, we have this diversity of, of characters. Um, and again, that was just the starting point. That was like, okay, just on like a basic level, they have to, they have to hit one of these things somehow. Um, and from there, Built, building on like okay what would that what would that mean so um for for one of our crew members denny who's uh you know disabled uh trans pickpocket um what does he what would that mean in our sci-fi universe where homophobia transphobia misogyny all this stuff doesn't exist anymore um why would somebody steal? Why would somebody be in a, in a hover chair? Why would he be disabled? Um, and, and we explore, we talk about that, you know, he's, uh, he was born out in the boonies on some rim worlds and he didn't have the medical access to, uh, to be able to walk. So, uh, he was given a hover chair, which is kind of seen as like an archaic thing in, in our universe. And, uh, mm-hmm. just told like, ah, Go fend for yourself. Good luck. Uh, he was orphaned, you know. Um, yeah, and uh, that that builds into his character. It's why he's he's kind of a punk, you know. He's <laughs> he <laughs> uh, he definitely pokes at the player a lot um, in the demo. I think he even talks about like you know throwing a mutiny. Um, yeah, kind of half serious, I think, <laughs> you know. But uh, I got uh, nervous. He, I had that moment in the demo where he's like, you know. I, I'm not really sure we should be doing this anymore. I'm like, oh God, I think I think he's going to leave. I don't want this. Yeah, and that's I mean, uh, you know, for um, for 
for a character like that, it it kind of fits with who who he is. Um, he's out for himself. He's out to look out for himself because he doesn't feel like anybody else is going to look out for him. Um, and that, I mean, in the in the full game, that's what we're exploring is what is that journey? You know, do you ever get to a point where Denny trusts you, um, or that he'll you can feel like he he has your back, or or will it always kind of be like, you know, you looking over your shoulder and like. What's he doing? Like, what's <laughs> where is he on the ship? I, my sensors don't see him. What's going on? Um, so, uh, so yeah, I don't know it, uh, that 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 authenticity. I think that we're going for um, all of these characters. They're, uh, uh, I mean, they they hit that that diversity matrix. Um, is again, it's just like the start of it's making them different. It's making them like the people that we see in our everyday lives. Um, and uh, seeing them represented in uh, uh, in in the game and in, in this amazing sci-fi space opera universe we've created, um, it's been really. I, I I really love that idea of the of your of the diversity matrix, and I, I just I just want to say wow, kudos! Like that's such an incredible idea and, and an amazing way to kind of help blueprint games, and I, I hope that's something that can be more widely adopt, like adopted across the games industry because i think i think what you said is kind of spot on right they have this template for what normal is and i feel like that's so outdated and it's just such it, a it's such an idea it doesn't that, it doesn't actually represent what real life is like right exactly like, so go ahead dan no that that was done <laughs> okay yeah yeah no so that's that's an that's amazing and i really do hope that that's something that will be more adopted and that is, yeah. I mean, it's a bit of why Long Journey is, is like this experiment of, you know, these are things that we always wanted to do at, at or at least I always wanted to do it at past jobs. Um, and, uh, you know, with um, uh, with me and Ro and the rest of our team, like now it's like, all right, well, let's, let's do it. You know, we've been self-funded up to this point so we can do whatever we wanted. Um, so let's try, let's do it. Where um, I don't know if you had any, anything else uh in that area yeah no i just i think it's so important to kind of call out that like when you have the creative control that is afforded by being an indie studio like it's your world you get to make it what you want it to be and that is to say like we want to see the people who we know and love represented in this game we want to see ourselves represented in this game and I, I just don't think that we've really seen that before. So that was just what I was going to add. And that's kind of yeah. something that I wanted to to build on and, and ask the both of you, because I feel like even given the circumstances coming into this game, right. Or, I mean, you're, you're on the run from, from an abusive relationship. I, I feel like the game kind of brings you in, in a very warm way like I, I i can't i don't really know how to explain it properly but like it was almost like a hug like it like the game felt immediately even with the sense of danger even with the sense of like the the um everything that the story was you know pushing you forward in the game feels almost like like a safe space right from the jump and i feel like that that term you know the terminology of a safe space can be it's thrown around in a way that's kind of like meant to be more derogatory than than a, you know than anything else but i i felt safe coming into this game in a way that like it would accept me no matter who i was um into this space so i kind of wanted to ask you both about like how do you think gaming can be used as as a safe space in a positive way to kind of let people be who they are 
Well, first off, that makes me so happy uh, to hear that. That's really, really kind words. Um, and I'm, I'm glad that it came across that way. And, and I mean, I, I think you are spot on with the idea of, um, I mean, the term of, of safe space is this, uh, you know, it, it definitely has a derogatory, uh, has been used in a derogatory way, um, uh, you know, at least in the, in the last several years. Um, yeah. But it's, it's also, I mean, it's having a safe space is, is so essential. So, I mean, just psychologically essential to have a, have a space where you can, you can be yourself, you know, I mean, you, you can authentically be yourself and, and, um, uh, not fear judgment. Um, I think it's something where a lot of trauma comes from, uh, not, not only, you know, well, especially in the queer family, but even, I mean, even people um, who aren't a part of the queer family, I mean, just being accepted. I, I, I find it hilarious um, on, on Reddit, there'll be these big uh, threads of like, guys, what's the one thing that's meant for women that you love? And, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, and all, all these people will be like, I love to smell pretty. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> it smells nice. Like, that's okay. You can, yeah. you know. um, so even like, uh, I mean, within the within the queer community, we've you know we've been creating safe spaces um, for uh, for generations for you know for quite obvious reasons. Um, but uh, the safe spaces aren't that they're not an exclusive um, exclusively queer thing. That that everybody needs some sort of safe space. Everyone needs to be told that they belong somewhere. Um, so that's that's something where again like with crispy creative and this commitment to well-being um, we're committed to not only the well-being of our, of our developers, but for our players, we want our, we want our games. We want the experiences we create to enrich our players and to, to help them grow. Um, so that is something, you know, looking at trauma and there's, there's plenty of, I call them queer dog whistles in the game, but it is, you know, inclusivity includes, uh, includes everybody, you know, includes people who are cisgender, includes people who are heterosexual and all that. Um, there's, a uh, there's plenty of trauma to go around to, to work. With. <laughs> yeah, there's enough to share. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rowan, what about you? Same question. Yeah, I think it's a great question. I mean, I, I think it's interesting to compare this game to games, which are maybe a little more action packed or aggressive, or maybe even combative is the right word for it. Like here there are problems, there are mishaps, there are problems that come about as a result of misunderstandings, and there are for sure echoes of kind of like what marginalized people's face, fear of being unknown, fear of not fitting in, being different, misunderstood. But in terms of making it safe, you know, I think part of it is is coming from showing these characters that say no matter who you are and where you're coming from, this crew has got your back. We have you. You're our family and you're safe with us. So yeah. Also, like, thank you so much for for calling it out as a safe space. For calling it like a hug, like that. I'm very touched by that. So, appreciate it. <laughs> no, of course. Darren, I think you had something you wanted to ask, right? Um. Yeah. So, I, it we we kind of mentioned it before, uh, and we're we're kind of talking about it, like where we're referring to, um, you know, Kylan. You brought up Reddit. Um, it seems to be kind of an unfortunate reality that I think there are a lot of people online that like to talk about how they think that 
diversity is being forced into games and games should not cover topics of diversity. Um, so I'll ask to Kylan first, what do you, what, what do you have to say about that? Why, why should video games explore diversity? Uh, and I mean, it, and it's a fair question. Um, I mean, on, on the one hand, uh, it's, it's entertainment and, um, you know, heterosexual, cisgendered men are not the only people who need to be entertained. Um, right. you know, <laughs> there are other people out there who are looking for entertainment. Um, so, uh, uh, and, and I don't know, I, I think there is a bit of, um, uh, shoot, what's the word? Um, I say self-centeredness, but, uh, uh, like if you can only be entertained by people who look exactly like you, that seems to be a fairly limited worldview. Um, right. In terms of the human experience. Uh, there's, there's this whole wealth of stories that have not been told. Um, and, you know, entertainment does, uh, involve a bit of novelty, you know, to some degree, you need to show the new, um, to keep people entertained, to keep people engaged. Uh, so sort of like, forsaking all these this massive variety of stories that have not been told and when i say have not been told have not been told in a uh you know western audience like entertainment mm-hmm. situation you know like the uh the mainstream kind of yeah like- mainstream western american european kind of style games um so uh yeah i mean like Bollywood is a whole industry, you know, like massive, mm. massive, massive industry that are telling stories uh, of people from a different area. Um, right. that, there, there's a ton, a ton of money there. Um, so, right, yeah, you know, to first to forsake a uh, uh, this whole sort of section of humanity um, because they don't look like you, and because you're like, well, we're not going to tell their stories because whatever. I only want to hear stories about people who look exactly like me it's just so limiting um and so uh, i mean for me it's just so boring um there's so much more out there to see and experience and live so like why not put it in your entertainment why not see uh i I mean we see um we have data to back up that people want to see these stories uh you know uh, you look at um some of the the incredibly popular shows on Netflix, um, they don't, you know, Netflix doesn't just happen upon these uh, award winning TV shows, you know, or these things <laughs> where they like they put in a ton of research and effort into yeah. it. So yeah, they're not throwing know, they're not throwing darts at the wall and seeing what sticks. They're 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 making choices. Exactly, you know, I mean, like this uh, uh, Bridgerton, you know, which is this super diverse um, look on uh, uh, this. Um, you know, 1800s, uh, high British society. Um, that is a carefully calculated, uh, series that was backed up with a ton of data to show this is what people want. They want to see a black queen of England. They want to see super sexy, diverse people in like crazy getups, like (laughs) drama, you know, like that's why it's Mm. successful. So, um, you know, this idea that, uh, Oh, well, diversity is being shoved down our throats and nobody wants to see that. It's like, I, 
actually people do like a lot of people want to see it <laughs> we have yeah. there, there are business cases for it um so uh you know i mean yeah like why not i don't know that, that was a bit of again uh, as it's always struck me um surprising as like as how new of a medium as games are and how much they explore these different ways of interacting and different ways of entertainment um it's also quite conservative in a lot of ways for some mm-hmm. of the stories that they tell and that's yeah that's just always this like it's always been a sort of disconnect of like wait like we could be doing so many amazing things and this is what we keep sticking to like yeah on, let's make cool stuff yeah. Rowan, what do you think? Oh, gosh. I I think the games put you in the driver's seat, in a manner of speaking, and allow you to engage with content in maybe a much more empathetic way. Uh, we don't quite get the same experience from consumption of other media where it doesn't require input, so TVs and movies and stuff like that. Mm-hmm, right. So I think that when we do have diversity in games, we're showing people that all these awesome people you're interacting with, they're just people. Just people. Just like you, and you need them, and they need you. That's life. That's how it's got to be. And uh, actually, I think it comes from Twin Peaks. So David Lynch said it in a really great way. And it's a bit of a rallying cry in the queer community, especially for like trans folks. But, you know, fix your hearts or die. Like, I, <laughs> I, I don't tend to think of empathy in terms of like radical empathy. But this is a great way to get it across to people. Like, these are just people just like you and me. Right. Yeah, well said. I know. And also, I think um, personally... I feel like, I mean, I, I I have played a lot of video games and I think that I've heard the stories of, you know, cisgendered straight white men so many times. And I, I ask, I ask myself and I ask others, like, don't you want to hear a different story? If you've heard the same story so many times, doesn't it get boring after a while? Don't you want to explore something new, especially with games being so interactive? Don't you want to have a new experience? And I I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there, right? I mean, like, there's just there's a whole world of experience there to draw from and and kind of using this one stereotypical, you know, cookie cutter situation, like there's just so much being left on the ground when there's so much more that could be experienced. Uh, Something that I wanted to ask you guys, uh, and it's something that kind of really struck me kind of even just reading about a long journey, even before playing the demo was this idea of an AI therapist. And I think this idea of, of you know, AI becoming more and more advanced and kind of developing its own, uh, you know, set of emotions and, and, and you know, cognizance, I think an AI therapy is, is such a fascinating, fascinating idea. So I wanted to ask kind of where did that idea come about? And do you see a future where uh, AI can actually assist with therapy and like kind of what are the dangers are? Because that, that, I think that's such a brilliant idea. Oh man, I, I wish I could take credit for it. I, I, uh, so that, that actual job option, um, there was, it, it was some, uh, it was some news article. Uh, I want to say that was at least like a decade ago that I read and it was just reading, like it was talking about automation and talking about, um, you know, we're going to lose certain, uh, uh certain career paths and certain job options, but, new ones are going to be created. And then they listed out, you know, just sort of random, uh, not random, um, but listed out potential new, um, 
new career paths that people could go on. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, there was like VR architect, um, and, uh, there was, what were some of the other ones? Um, shoot, I should have, it's, it's like, I actually printed it out, which tells you how long ago it was. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, I printed it out and put it somewhere, but anyways, but the idea of AI therapist stuck with me, um, uh, as you know, as obviously as, as it's a resonant thing even today, but that idea of that, yeah, that at some point, um, if we are creating these intelligences, um, they do need, will they eventually need some sort of, uh, some sort of therapy, some sort of, some sort of monitoring. Um, there was a, uh, uh, shoot, what was it? There was, there was that one sort of, um, uh, AI experiment where they exposed this machine learning program, um, to, uh, what was it? It was. It wasn't the internet as a whole, but I think maybe it was like they exposed it Twitter. to Reddit or Twitter. Twitter maybe Twitter. Twitter. Yeah, yeah, Twitter. I think it was Twitter actually. Yeah, they exposed yeah. it to Twitter, and then um, <laughs> it essentially started speaking like like a really depressed thirteen year old girl. Um, and that was, and it got like it just got really the machine learning AI just got really really sad and just kept saying these <laughs> really really depressing like things. Um, and I saw another article as well of, of they were saying um, some of these machine, like optimizing some of these machine learning programs um, and optimizing them. They've actually learned that they, some of them, they need to shut off and let them essentially rest and sleep for a bit and then come back. Um, so interesting. So it is. It's so, so fascinating to think about um, things that we like almost at as, as a species, we almost view as faults, you know, like, oh my gosh, I have to sleep. Like, oh my gosh, well, therapy is for <laughs> yeah. the week. Like, da, da, da. Um, why can't I keep like, working? Why can't I, you know, like, what what is it about this day that, you know, I, why didn't I do as much as I did yesterday? It's just this kind of ever-present feeling. And this, I mean, I, I, there's something, I guess there's an irony in that the more, the, the more efficient we try to be, like the more machine-like we try to be, as we create machines, we see that they need to be more like us, actually. Like, yeah. They, Right. They need time to heal and recover and recuperate, which is like, well, freaking program needs it. Like, <laughs> you know, we definitely need eight hours of sleep, you know, and, and work-life balance and all that. Um, so I don't know, all of that sort of fed in together. Um, and uh, I, I, for for the game specifically, um, the idea of, of a therapist. So, so when I first came out to my parents, they sent me to a religious um, therapist uh, to, to, to cure me. Um, right. And I, again, as they were, that was with my parents, they thought with, with their life experience and worldview, they thought that was the best thing they yeah. could do for me. And um, they've since felt very terrible about it. Um, but in seeing this religious therapist, uh, you know, I, uh, with my adult mind now, um, I look at the things that they were telling me and, you know, they were gaslighting me. They were telling me like really, really terrible things to tell to yeah. a little 14 year old kid. Um, so uh, that, you know, that experience sort of made me think, oh, well, what if uh, your therapist is not actually out to do to do well by you, you know, it's, they're actually out to, to manipulate you and, and to keep you down. And, um, what if you had a relationship with that therapist, which sounds even 
more of a disaster. Uh, yeah. So like, well, okay, the, what's the what would be the ultimate disaster of like, well, you're you got into a relationship with your therapist and now they're chasing you and trying to literally disassemble you. Um, and that's, that's kind of the premise <laughs> for a long journey. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, yeah, but, um, I that, yeah, go for it. I, I think that's like it's just such a super fascinating idea, like on, on so many levels to think that like, you know, machines and, and AI will get to a point where they might soft, suffer some sort of trauma or, or, or something, you know, that would, will require a therapist for them. Uh, and I also think the kind of the flip side of it is, is also equally interesting where, you know, will there come a point where therapy does or, or can be more of like an AI centric experience. And I think that's, you know, comes with its whole, you know, wealth of, of both upsides and downsides. But Rowan, I wanted to ask you, like, do you see a future where AI becomes more bundled into therapy as it is today? Or do you think that's something that should be kind of kept separate? It's a really interesting question and not one that I necessarily feel particularly qualified to, to comment <laughs> on, not having a background in kind of like mental health and therapy. But I, I think that for certain purposes, there could be tools that are incorporated into it. I don't know. This this mm. actually gives me some great food for thought. Like I would like to, you know, leave this session and, and do some research to see kind of like how we could incorporate that, if at all. But yeah, it's maybe a little bit too loose of an answer, but hopefully, hopefully that gets to your question. No, it, t it totally does. Thank you. Uh, all right. Well, there's, there's one last thing that I want to ask you both before we kind of uh, wrap up and, and talk a little bit about the Kickstarter. But uh, what I want to know from the both of you and, and Kylan, I'll ask you first, what is your biggest hope for a long journey? And I intentionally leave that open-ended, but what is your biggest hope for the game? Ooh, boy. Um, Man, that that is a really good question. Um, I mean, big like I hadn't thought of I hadn't really thought of biggest like for what I'm like just shipping the game. Um, <laughs> it's you know is 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 um, uh, the big hope. Man, I I wish I had a better, more inspirational thing. I've I've just I've been so in the business mindset of it of um, mm -hmm. you know because we've, we have taken creative risks. So um, with this game and, in, and with the inclusivity. So, I mean, for me, like being able to ship the game and, and uh, being able to continue as at a, a studio seems like if we can do that, that would be like my wildest hope, which I know sounds so simple, but, <laughs> but for indie, indie devs, like it's actually a really difficult thing. Um, of course. So that's, um, I mean, yeah, just, like just shipping it and and having, I don't know, like we've already we've already seen in our Discord, we've already seen in the Kickstarter comments, people, well, and even in, within this podcast from uh, from the two of y'all, like people are definitely getting it. They're definitely getting the game, and and um, a lot of our goals that we are uh, we're hoping to push, um, hoping to convey through the story, I think, are happening. So that's already exciting. I think beyond that, yeah, just, I mean, just, just finishing it, just shipping it and finishing it and letting, uh, uh, you know, being able to, to make the second game or the sequel or, or whatever our next project is. No, that's, that's awesome. I mean, 
Yeah, even the, I mean, even the simple answer is, is something that can be inspiring, right? Uh, Rowan, same question. What's your kind of biggest hope for the game? Now I feel a little bit selfish, actually, because I was going to say that, you know, we started out talking about kind of like games that have stuck with us and provided us with meaningful moments in our lives. Like, I think the the biggest accomplishment that I can think of is that this game resonates with somebody in that way. You know, somebody who mm-hmm. may be going through a hard time, who may feel unseen or unheard, and that it gives them, you know, a little well of confidence to, to draw from. Within. That doesn't sound yeah. selfish at all. That is wonderfully <laughs> empathetic. What are oh, you God. talking yeah. about? Okay. I'll, maybe you mean like selfishly, you know, I'd want to be the one who can help with that, I guess. So, yeah. <laughs> much I think much that's, I think better that's... answer. I, I'm like, I just want to make money. And Rose, like, no, 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 no. It's, it's, you need... God. I, th- I think you need both things to be able to kind of to, to reach someone, right? I mean, there, yeah. there is no one with the other. Absolutely. All right. Well, before we wrap up, uh, Kyle, can you tell us a little bit more about the Kickstarter? How much longer is it running? Where can people find it? And and how can people help? Absolutely. So the Kickstarter is live right now. It'll be live until, uh, I believe, March 4th. Um, and uh, we're over 50% of the way. I think Woo! last I checked, it was like 54% of the way towards our goal. Um, super exciting, super cool. Um, if you want to support us, uh, please check out the Kickstarter, back us if you can. We have some really, really cool rewards. Um, not only standard things like a really awesome soundtrack uh, made by our composer, uh, Jesse Myers, but uh, there's a there's a plushie of Corgi that you can get. Um, yes. They ship miniatures. You can get your name in the game. You can become a character in the game bunch of bunch of cool stuff um so uh so yeah um check it out back us on there um we have a discord that's really cool you can join us with um not only giving feedback about the demo but we have a sci-fi book club there's a pet pics uh channel um all kinds <laughs> Adorable. of there so yeah absolutely join us join us there I'll make sure to have all of the links in the description below so that everyone can go and find the Kickstarter and everything else because this game is incredible. And if you are curious about the game, go check out the demo. It is free. You can find it on the Kickstarter launch page. Um, Darren and I both played it and we both had a fantastic time with it. So please go support. This is a very, I think, important game. And I think one that a lot of people, (coughs) excuse me, need to get their eyes on. So go check it out. (coughs) Excuse me. Ah. (laughs) so that brings us to the end of the show i want to thank you both again so so much for joining us it was an absolute pleasure talking to both of you and i wish you all the best going forward because like i said i think this game is very special and i i think it's one that needs to be played so thank you for thank you for making it i mean honestly (laughs) i don't know how else to say that so kind thank you for giving us a chance to talk about it again i could talk for weeks about this game so thank you so much for giving me a chance to giving us both a chance to talk more about it. Yeah. Thank you so much. It was really a pleasure to get to talk with both of you today. And you said such kind things. I mean, like, <laughs> thank you. It's, it's really nice to kind of get that feedback on it, especially where we're in a stage where we're, you know, trying to get it done. So thank you. Of course. No, thank you for coming. Yeah. We super appreciated this. Uh, 
we and we hope you know as as the progress comes along we hope you guys will come back and join us for another podcast for a celebratory thing somewhat soon when so it gets uh, when it gets shipped when it's out we can celebrate uh it's gonna yeah. get wonderful reviews my hero it's gonna, <laughs> <laughs> one of the rewards is an invite to our digital launch party so check it out there you go all right, everybody. So you can find us, the Burnout Brighter podcast, over at Spotify, Apple Music, and any – oh, sorry, Apple Podcasts and any major podcast network. You can also find us over on YouTube at Burnout Brighter or on Facebook at the Burnout Brighter podcast. I have been Matt. You can find me at Burnout underscore Matt on Twitter. Uh, Kylan and Rowan, I'm not sure if you guys are on Twitter and stuff. Is there anything else that you guys want to plug personally before we wrap up? Um, we are on Twitter. Uh as I desperately look up to make sure that I I get a Twitter (laughs) handle right. Um, So if you go to um, at crispy creative, that's all one word. um, You can follow us and learn more about the game and our updates. And uh, you can learn how you can pet Corgi in the game too. (gasps) You can pet the dog. Yes. Yes. Very last thing I swear, but I love when I was going through the Kickstarter, I love that one of the, uh, frequently asked questions was what is corgi's favorite treat and how fantastic (laughs) that answer is i don't want to spoil the answer but if you're curious (laughs) hop over to kickstarter because corgi does have a favorite treat and you need to know what it is uh all right let's let's bring it on home so again everybody please go check out a long journey to an uncertain end the kickstarter will be in the links below please go check it out and check it out fast i just want to say yeah because i think when this episode airs uh there'll be six days left on the kickstarter so i'm gonna put it up a couple days early i'm gonna put it up a couple days early because this is a time sensitive thing so this will this episode will go live monday um we generally launch on wednesdays but we'll put it up a little bit early to try and get that a little bit more of that push so So get in where you can yes get over onto that kickstarter darren i want to thank you for joining me once again and i'm gonna ask you to say bye goodbye Kylan, again, thank you so, so much. And I'm going to ask you to say bye. Goodbye. (laughs) And Rowan, again, thank you as well. We hope we'll talk to you soon. All the best with the game going forward. And I'll ask you to say bye. Thank you so much. See you all around. We'll catch you guys next week. Peace out. Later. Marie Kondo sounds like the perfect marriage right there, right there. Okay.